Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. I'm Zach. Hi, Adam. Don't bite my head off, okay? I don't need that attitude from you. Listen, buddy, 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 you have to understand. This is the year 2001 and (laughs) a whole new era for everybody and... I'm a little, I'm a little gruffer, a little more rough around the edges. Yeah, you're resorting I'm, to cannibalism now. You're just gonna bite people. And, and... I am. I have not <laughs> turned to cannibalism just yet, though. I continue to see the appeal. <laughs> Stop, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's because I read such good comics that make me want to eat my fellow man. I'm like, oh, you're making this look so appetizing, David Finch. Oh man. Folks, if this sounds like a weird start to a weird episode, you are in for a treat because we are talking about some truly terrible comics this week. Folks, if you don't know about Ultimatum, I sound like a crazy person. If you do know about (laughs) Ultimatum, you know what you're getting into. Uh, uh, So this has been, you know, floating around for years. I'm sure somebody was bound to request it at some point. it's absolutely who an X-Men we, story, isn't it, Adam? Who, it sure is. Who do we have to thank for this? Oh, we have Toll to thank for sending us down our path to spending the next hour or so talking about Ultimatum. If you want to be like Toll and, you know, give us the Sisyphusian task of talking about just the worst stuff that Marvel has ever published, you can go over to patreon.com slash and, you know, you can you can see that boulder that we've almost got up the hill and you can just push it right back down. <laughs> just roll it right back down and we'll just start from start from the stop again and just keep on keep on going for only five dollars. You get to push the uh, pull the lever that says the boulder goes back down. And now you guys have to talk about Wolverine Soul Taker or something. Wow. Well, uh, we're starting off this week with the Jeff Loeb, David Finch, Danny Miki, Steve Furchow, and RS Comic Craft Classic Ultimatum. We need to set the stage for this. Because There's a stage? I, there is a stage. Okay, okay. And I say this every time we do an Ultimate Comics episode. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people who weren't there don't understand. Yeah. You couldn't. In, in the year of our Lord 2001, you couldn't go five feet without finding an Ultimate Comics trade paperback. They were very popular. They were everywhere. Every library had them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every corner story, you could like pick up a copy. Like It was ubiquitous. The line very literally saved Marvel Comics. Yep. It saved it so much so that by 2009... When there were over a hundred issues of both Ultimate Comics Spider-Man and Ultimate Comics X-Men and what, maybe 20 issues of Ultimates? <laughs> uh, that's that's rude, uh, but true. And they had more than they had to have more than 20. It wasn't a lot, though. Ultimates came out infrequently, but it was oddly the most well-received book or at least the 
biggest like it's hit. the reason it's it's the reason why we have Avengers still, folks. Like at now. Yeah. yeah um, it really true. is. Uh Ultimates was a huge deal. The Ultimate line was massive. It was a fresh start for Marvel. It then went on to 2009 and they realized, oh, this is worse. <laughs> and we've taken all of the good parts and we put it into regular Marvel already. So now what is this thing that we have? Got to get rid of it. They try and get rid of the Ultimate Universe for the next seven years. Pretty much. They're yeah. slowly trying to take this burden off of them. Well, uh, it all starts here with the ultimate wave, ultimatum wave. Okay, there's a big, there's a big wave that hits New York City, and yes, a lot of people drown. A lot of Marvel characters, and uh, you know, a lot of regular people do. It's um, just a lot of, lot of glug glug glug. It's not great. So many people die just right from right from the start. You get you get a glimpse of what all of the ultimate teams are doing so you see the ultimate ff you see ultimate spider-man aka the good ultimate character you see <laughs> yeah, yeah listen tell me i'm wrong and you can't say miles because miles didn't happen yet no but, all of uh... the good characters are with spider-man <laughs> and everyone else is just around mm -hmm. uh, you're afraid that so many people have died because this thing's like oh no everyone's died Half of the X-Men are dead. Just straight up, no fanfare, they are dead. And you have the the Fantastic Four trying to figure out who amongst them is still alive. The Ultimates are figuring out what in the world's going on. We don't know what's happening. All it is is death and destruction until someone says, we know who did this. It was Magneto. Yep. He, uh, he did that whole Silver Age thing. He flipped the poles. Magneto reversed the pole. <laughs> One. I don't actually know if Silver Age Magneto ever did that or even threatened to do that. I know in Magneto War, that's what he threatened. And I know in other stories, he's threatened that in the Ultimate Universe. We'll get to that. But this is Magneto flipping the magnetic poles and it screws up weather and tidal waves and all this stuff. And then the rest of this series is the heroes taking it to Magneto and... The fallout of what Magneto did. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, Thor is dead, uh, which means that he needs to battle well, uh, the dead in hell with Captain America. Thor is not dead, Adam. You you misrepresent this. Thor is not dead. Valkyrie is dead. Thor goes to hell oh, right. to yeah. fight Hela. Thank and, you. Listen, this is an Ultimates 3 plot. I am not reading Ultimates 3. And here's, you bring up something that's very important about this comic. It's weird vignettes into other people's comics that don't get resolved, nor even give you the courtesy of a footnote to say, go check out uh, Ultimate Spider-Man <laughs> real quick, because that's where the rest of this story is going. It's very true. And it's a different vibe than what we just read a couple episodes ago with Ultimate War, where not a lot was happening here. It really feels like too much is happening, but it, you're only getting three pages at a time of say Magneto snapping Xavier's neck or the blob eating Jan. Yeah. So, and that's one of the most infamous scenes in this. We find 
Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp, uh, Captain America's girlfriend, Yellow Jacket's ex-wife. I don't remember if they were actually married in Ultimates, uh, but it's a whole thing. You find Blob eating her, saying, tastes like chicken. It's pretty messed up. In a, I can, I'm going to say something. I can see a world where that is a funny page. This ain't it. This is not, yeah, no, this is not the comic <laughs> where that is a good page of comics. What's weirder, and I, I like I like this because it just shows you what Loeb is doing with the plotting here and why it's so absolutely off the wall insane. Because here's the series of events. Iron Man and Yellow Jacket, or not Iron Man, Hawkeye and Yellow Jacket find Blob eating Wasp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Eating her guts. Then, Yellow Jacket goes giant man, grabs Blob, and bites his head off. And then spits it out. And spits it out. It's disgusting. Then, Yellow Jacket goes to the Triskelion, which is right over there, and gets mobbed by Madrox bombs and walks into the sea and blows up. Mm-hmm. For no apparent reason. Besides, he's very depressed. We can't... Listen... Yellow Jacket's ultimate Hank Pym, which means he's Hank Pym, but like actively the worst instead of instead of there was a scene in the 70s that uh, was misdrawn. And then we have lived with the ramifications ever since. Like this Hank Pym is not a repentant man. He just sucks. He's mad that his possessive abused spouse has been eaten by Blob. It sucks, man. This book does not is not good. No, it's not. Uh, Dormammu and it's not well is, written. Is the biggest problem. No, Dormammu escapes and uh, basically pops Doctor Strange like he was a balloon in another oh, you, like extremely graphic panel, which is gross. Yeah, you know about Ultimate Doctor Strange. I really don't. I don't no one does. About. He was a nothing character. You don't care that he died. <laughs> uh, it. It's so weird because in that Dormammu scene, it's like, oh, Spider-Man's now here, even though we thought he was somewhere else because he was doing stuff in Spider-Man. And wait, the Human Torch, we thought he was dead. No, he's trapped in Dormammu's necklace. Did any of this come up? No, it doesn't, because you have to read different books that this book doesn't tell you about to know what these plots are. Yeah. Sucks, man. Sucks a lot. More graphic violence as uh, Angel thinks that he can somehow defeat Magneto by himself and Sabretooth attacks him, basically crushes his spine with the boot of his uh, heel of his boot and then uh, starts like chewing on him. And then Hawkeye shoots Sabretooth in the eye with a with an arrow Um, like this is just. It seems and I know we're we're sort of um, inured to the idea of what comic book violence is, right? You know, yes. like we we read books about guys with knives in their hands and they slash at something and then nothing really happens. You know what I mean? And like sometimes you read a Wolverine solo book and there's some blood. But the way in which the violence is is written and depicted in this is is very, very um it, I don't know how to put this. Like it feels exploitational in a, in a yeah. certain way. 
right? Like it, it feels like it's trying to test boundaries and succeeding. It's a very weird thing for a comic book featuring children's character, Spider-Man to be a part of like, that's, it just, it doesn't jive with what the tone and tenor of Marvel comics are as a whole. It is weird. And that is disturbing to read. Yeah. I mean, Uh, this is a book that culminates with Cyclops literally using his uh, force beams to turn Magneto's head into like chunks of steak to execute Magneto. Yeah. Just beheads him and and turns his head. This is, this is not a fight. This is Magneto is literally on his knees getting laser eyed to death. Yeah. Uh, And if that weren't enough, uh, three pages later, Cyclops gets shot in the head while addressing a, a a crowd in a mob. Uh, It's, Again, like super bloody. Everything, everything continues to happen in this comic. It is maximalism. It is so much happening. And yet it feels so slight. Like you have no emotional response to this. Everyone's dying and it's more confusing than anything else. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, one of the last things to happen in issue five is that the thing tracks down Dr. Doom grabs him by the head and just like squishes his head until the thing walks away with like blood dripping off of his hands. And because Dr. Doom was secretly behind uh, killing Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, which sends Magneto into his final, I'm going to destroy the earth mode. Uh, which led to all this. So even though Dr. Doom helped the heroes, the thing says, I can't let you live and then crushes his head. Right. And none of this feels satisfying. None of it feels um, like it's been led up to or earned or, you know, in, in any way emotionally resonant. It's also not, you know, as, as you might see in, let's say a Quentin Tarantino movie, Sometimes the violence is used for comedic effect, you know, and, and to present a counterpoint to some of the stories, uh, themes that have been happening over the course, you know, I'm thinking about the, the over the top ending of once upon a time in Hollywood or something like that, or Um, the over the top ending to kill bill volume one or the over (laughs) the top ending to inglorious bastards. Right. And, uh, I'm, what I mean is that those are more strategic and intelligent uses of that. Or the uh, over the top ending to Django Unchained. I've never seen Django. Hey, fun fact ends with a giant gory, bloody fight. Shocking. No one, uh, it's kind of, kind of to be expected, but there, there is no crescendo here. It is just like mutilation upon mutilation upon mutilation. That doesn't feel akin to even the Ultimates universe, which is supposed to be sort of this grittier, I mean, I, and even that, I mean, that's here's here's the thing it's about not the necessarily Ultimate true. Universe. The Ultimate Universe, at least, the Ultimate Universe is defined by two men: uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Miller. Uh, mm-hmm. Bendis's Spider-Man is more of a updated classic version, where Mark Miller very specifically takes a satirical look at a lot of this stuff and does use it to, you know, skewer the view or skewer the 
the George Bush administration uh, for the mm-hmm. most part. Like yeah. that's text in this. And instead, this is the most grim dark that Jeff Loeb could ever be. And here's my thing. What is this? What is what is Jeff Loeb trying to get across in this story? What is he saying if, with this story? And I'm not saying that everything needs to come down to a moral or anything like that, but what's the theme of this story? Just coming down to something as basic as does it have a theme? And I don't think it does. And that seems like an issue, right? No, it absolutely doesn't because all it is is annihilation, you know? Like, no, annihilation is a different event. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all there's a sort of a nihilistic quality to, to the story itself in that nothing matters and everything is just death and destruction. And, yes. uh, you know, there is, we'll get into it. Like in the, the, the comics surrounding ultimatum, there are actual story threads happening. It doesn't feel like there's any actual story happening here. It's just heads exploding. So because of that, I don't really have a lot more to say about it. So we should, you want to know probably... who all dies in ultimatum? Well, yes, that's the other thing. The last page tells you everybody who died, whether you remembered it or not. It's Angel, Beast, Blob, Cannibal, Cyclops, Daredevil, Dazzler, Detonator, Doctor Strange, Emma Frost, Forge, Franklin Storm, Hard Drive, Hank Pym, Juggernaut, Longshot, Lorelei, Magneto, Nightcrawler, Polaris, Professor X, Psylocke, Sunspot, Syndicate, Thor, Toad, Wasp, Wolverine, and assumed to be dead are Firestar, Havoc, Madrox, Nightmare, Spider-Man, and Dr. Doom. Great. I don't care. Spider-Man it comes back very, very quickly. He wasn't yeah, actually yeah. dead. It, it does not feel like it has any weight. It does not feel like there's any emotion involved in any of it. So it, it doesn't feel interesting. So I think we should rank this terrible thing. That is our lot in life is that we do have to rank this terrible thing. <laughs> um, that's all we do on this podcast is we rank comics. We try and rank good comics. In this case, we're ranking a bad one. Uh, Cause here's what we are doing, Adam. Uh, we're ranking comics from best to worst on our big old stupid list. Love it. Uh, I, I mean, I love our list too, but it is kind of stupid. Don't don't. Hey, this is our bread and butter here, man. I don't, I don't screw with our bread and butter. Uh, the number, the best story, uh, it's all from best to worst. The best story is House of X, Powers of Ten. The 100th best story is X Factor, The Longest Night. The 200th is that Dracula story of Uncanny X-Men. The 300th are the Inferno tie-ins to Excalibur. The 400th is X-Men, The Last Stand, Collector's Edition, DVD, movie, slash with comic book. Uh, number 500 is New Mutants, 98 to 100, the beginning of the end. Number 600 is Beauty and the Beast. And number 700 is Evil Destruction. And wouldn't you know it, that... The 732nd worst comic is the Draco. So I think we're definitely in the 700s here. The question yeah, because this is worse than Eve of Destruction, which is it's so sure, impressive. It sure is. And uh, we 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 got to work our way down because 711, we've got Prisoner of Love. This is not as good as Prisoner of Love. 722, a story from our first episode. God Loves Man Kills 2. Better. Better. Yes. Yeah, better um, than this. Witchblade Wolverine, the comic where Witchblade Wolverine buried is better than this. 
Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I, I think we're just working our way down. At 728, we start to get into Chuck Austin territory with Holy War. <laughs> I love how we have a chunk of the bottom of the list. And now, in the bottom five, this is what we call Chuck Austin territory. Yeah, yeah. So, do we go lower? At 727, we have X-Force uh, Volume 2, which was uh, Liefeld's Return. short-lived return which was this is where i would awful. i would i would rather read x-force volume i two. i would as well i would as well would you rather read holy war than this so here's the problem adam yeah kinda yeah <laughs> i think holy war is both a bad comic and pretty offensive and yet holy war has a theme holy war is trying say what you will about chuck austin he is trying to do something in all of these stories. And yeah. what's interesting about Chuck Austin versus a lot of comics creators is that Chuck Austin fails really bad at these stories. Just absolutely miserably fails at telling the message. But dang it, he's trying. All right. So if we're saying that Austin at least gives it the old college try, this should probably be our new 730, which would put it in between She Lies with Angels and X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire. What do you think? Folks, folks, I'm just going to give you a rundown of the bottom five. It's Holy War from Chuck Austin X-Men. It's She Lies with Angels from Chuck Austin X-Men. It's X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire, which is... Oof. Duh. Don't look up those covers in public. Yep. Uh, then it's Phantom X Max, and then it's the Draco... And I think, Adam, you're you're I going think, to a very interesting place here. And I think yeah. you're about right. Because Ultimatum is probably a more competently told story than X-Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire. Both of which have some of the worst panels that Marvel Comics has ever, ever printed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad um, one. Really is. So this is our new 730. Ultimatums are 7.30. Man, starting out with a bang here. But Adam, unfortunate for all of us. There's more? Oh, buddy. <laughs> there were tie-ins. There were there ultimatum sure tie-ins. And uh, it's also got... kind of just bonkers that, isn't isn't this the last three issues of Ultimate X-Men? Uh, it's the end of Ultimate X-Men Volume 1. Uh, it goes, this is Ultimate X-Men 98 through 100 by... Arnie Collette and Mark Brooks. Uh, Dan Panosian has a little bit of a fill-in on this as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have Ultimate X-Men Requiem, uh, which is the last issue that ties it all up. Uh, that has been all of our on art. And then it goes into a comic you have read, which is Ultimate X by Jeff Loeb. Oh, right. With Art Adams. A yeah. comic that actually has merit. Yeah, not, not, not absolutely terrible. Um, so we start off in, in 98 um, and we are getting the son of Reverend William Stryker. Who's... Uh, no, it's not the son of Reverend William Stryker. Oh, right. This William Stryker is. Um, this is oh, well, I guess it is. This it is William Stryker Jr. You're right about that. He is a but reverend. It, his father. His father, Stryker, was the... his father is his father is X2 William Stryker. He yes. is William Stryker Jr., a reverend. Brian Cox. I kind of I kind of like that. Like, if you're going to do that in the Ultimate Universe and do an Ultimate William Stryker, 
that is kind of cool. Like you're like, oh yeah, your dad was the the movie one, and your <laughs> this one. I like that. So, so the ultimatum wave um, causes Stryker Jr. to basically join up with a, a racist mutant killing gang who have stumbled upon some of the uh, Sentinel outfits that are no longer in use and are going to raid the X-Mansion and kill whoever they can. Um, Rogue, yeah, he does go from pacifist to committing a hate crime at record speed. Yeah, and is called out on it and is like, yeah, whatever, you know, this just happened, so I'm going with it. Um, and uh, Rogue is trying her best to um, employ some assistance from Alpha Flight. Um, well, no, Weapon X, excuse oh, well, me. Yes, yeah. as you remember from the, the time about the time the X-Men did a drug. Yes. Uh, the ultimate X-Men did a drug, excuse me. Weapon X has reformed into Alpha Flight. We find out that they're, we find out in this one more specifically what happened there with their leader from Weapon X, John Wraith, becoming the new uh, Vindicator mm-hmm. or Guardian. I don't remember what dumb Canadian hero name they gave. Regardless, you know, the guy with the maple flag. That's the guy. Uh, that's the one. She teams up with them. They try and stop all of uh, all these purifiers things. The purifiers do a school shooting. I call them the purifiers. That's not their name, but I mean, they're, they're the ultimate purifiers, right? Like, they, they are pretty much. Uh, they are they are purifiers in Sentinel gear, um, which is enough to take out many of these X-Men. Um, midway through, Rogue does learn what Stryker's motivation is, and the ultimate wave did kill uh, Stryker's child. Um, so Rogue is, you know, kind of, taken aback by that. Um, then we take a shift in the final issue to refocus on part of Magneto's plan, which involves suicide bomber mag- Madroxes. Yeah. Issue 100 gets weird. Uh, super weird. Why is the last issue of ultimate X-Men them saying, let's focus on ultimate Jamie Madrox. I have a question about ultimate Jamie Madrox and uh, I brought this up online the other day and I just, I'm, I have to feign some form of innocence here because um, I don't know the ultimate X-Men universe. Um, I don't know this versions of the characters so much. So well, continue because um, I do. All right. So um, let's start with the end of, of this book, which is that Wolverine discovers that um, Jamie Madrox is trapped in, psychologically in 1994 and that uh magneto has imprisoned with his mom quote unquote his guard is lorelei lorelei who in listen if you're going to ask me what the deal with ultimate lorelei is the answer is she was in one one issue before this of ultimates three and i am not reading ultimates three (laughs) wolverine does kill this 1994 stuck Jamie Madrox. All right. So my question is if Jamie Madrox is stuck in 1994, uh, I want to read the uh, narration because Madrox is pumping out all of these dupes, right. Who are out there in the world. And the issue begins. Dupes, 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 dupes. The issue begins with in the head narration from, um, from a Jamie 
dupe that says, I like Nirvana and the Pixies and Jane's Addiction and Fugazi and Bad Religion. Great job, Jamie. Uh, then it says, I like Smashing Pumpkins back when Billy Corgan had hair. Now, here's where I get confused. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness came out in 1985. Now, on the promotional tour for that album, that is when we see Billy Corgan without hair for the first time when he performs on SNL. Oh, is that that when the world became a vampire? Yes. Okay. Uh, I didn't know when it was set to drain. Um, so I'm very confused by this. I do not understand how Jamie prefers Billy Corgan without having listened to melancholy. Don't get this. And this is just me talking as a smashing pumpkins fan from that era, not the current Infowars. It's uh, so, it's so hard to talk about smashing pumpkins. (laughs) it's like Uh, no you guys don't understand it was good (laughs) melancholy's half of a good album and luckily (sighs) there's two albums there good lord i love some 90s uh smashing pumpkins and good lord that fuzz pedal is so freaking juicy yes listen to some cherub rock come on baby so anyway i'm just gonna leave that out there as just this weird conundrum slash paradox that's happening in this issue um, but you're right. The entire last issue is about Madroxes coming and attacking everything, blowing up British Parliament, et cetera, et cetera, until Wolverine kills him. And that's the end of of Ultimate X-Men. Also weird that that's just ripping off a of Brian Michael Bendis Ultimate X-Men comic in a very famous one, too. That yeah. is that is that's that super sad story of. Oh, Wolverine finds a kid and he does have to stab him and kill him because otherwise the kid's going to do some bad stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, So it is very strange for the 100th issue and final issue of volume one to end with a little note that says to be continued in ultimatum and concluded in ultimatum X-Men Requiem, which is a comic book, which basically is just them burying the dead. There's not a lot going on in that issue. It's them burying the dead. It's shield being racist uh, with director Carol Danvers, who's just hecka racist in this. Um, And also shadow cat using her ultimate Spider-Man costume going around and doing some spy stuff. That's it. Yep. It's a weird way to end a, end a series. It It really turns out they truly had no idea what to do with the ultimate universe. It really feels that way. Uh, this does not feel like the last arc of, of a series and uh, it doesn't even end, you know, it, it really doesn't give any closure to any of the characters. So this is not nearly as bad as ultimatum though. It's not as bad as ultimatum at all because ultimatum ultimatum means more. And that's the problem is that no one, listen, if you survived reading the Robert Kirkman run of ultimate X-Men, you had already decided that you can get through just about anything. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, at some point you're going to learn about ultimate apocalypse. So excited. Really pumped about that. I know. you. Um, are. We got so many fun ultimate stories. I can torture you with. I, Don't you have to understand how popular this was. I, it's so bizarre. Right. Um, anyway, I they think we're in the six hundreds though. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, would you rather read Spider-Man Storm and Power Man Smokescreen than this? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. All day, every day, and twice on Sunday. I might want to read this more than X-Men Noir at 637. Where did we put the drug issue? The drug issue? Oh, um, hmm. Banshee. Question. Ultimate X-Men Banshee. I bet it's higher than that. I'm looking. I feel like that was... Uh, I don't know. Uh, Ultimate Wars at 117 Ban- or at 617. Banshee's at 629. I this isn't as good as that Banshee arc. And that was it's bad. Not as good. It's not as good as that Banshee arc. Man, we are right. in the, we are kind of in the right part, spot. Like, is this as bad as X-Men Forever 1 through 5? Love and loss. Uh, far be it for me to give it to Claremont for that. But I do think that might actually be better. <laughs> Um, but it's not as bad as Captain Marvel 2 and 3 at 647. Uh, hey, do you know what we missed by only covering the X-Men parts of Captain Marvel? That volume 3 of Captain Marvel? There, what? What did we miss? Uh, that issue 1 of that run, that's only like 5 issues. Uh, Genesville has pants that have the words Kiss My Cree Butt written on them. Oh, I read that issue. I know we didn't rank it, but I read it. I'm so happy for you. Uh <laughs> Don't read the end of Ultimate X-Men. Like, here's the thing, guys. If you want to get the Ultimate X-Men experience, and we're about to give you some hints on how to start. If you want to get the Ultimate X-Men experience, read up until or through Brian K. Vaughn's run and then do what everyone else did and kind of just fall off. Sounds reasonable to me. Because you got to get all the Miller stuff. You got to get the Bendis stuff. In the well, Vaughn one has the one where Sinister yells stairs as he pushes. <laughs> yeah, you can't miss that. Um, so the weird thing about Ultimatum that we we wanted to save until we got to this point is that what Jeff Loeb is doing is essentially a re rehash of another Ultimate X Men story that happens like back in the twenties of the of the the series back when Mark Miller was writing the book and it's a little thing called Return of the King. Book came out in 2003. You know Mark Miller knew what he was doing. He absolutely did. Uh this is issues 26 through what? 33. Yeah. So this is Mark Miller, Ben Lai, David Finch, and Adam Kubert on this comic. Yeah. Um, so we are getting the ultimate comics version of the Charles and Eric backstory leading up to, well, we've already got, we've already got some of that, but we get it fleshed out here. Yeah. This is, this is like year by year. We're, we're starting to see their friendship devolve until Magneto basically becomes the, the anti-human terrorist that we know and fascist ultimate Magneto. Yeah. And paralyzes, uh, Charles. Here's the thing. Great. It is better that Magneto paralyzes Charles. That is a better thing to happen from continuity than Lucifer. Yeah, agreed. If Charles is going to be paralyzed, having that be a result of him and Magneto's fallout, like X-Men First Class got it right. Ultimate X-Men gets it right here. That should happen. Just it's so much cleaner. Yeah. It's cleaner if Lucifer doesn't exist, but well, yeah, but there's a silver age and I guess we have to respect it in some capacity. No, so, um, I don't, I don't. <laughs> some writers barely thought they should. So, um, the part that Jeff Loeb is just straight up lifting is the fact that Magneto is, uh, relying on a very, you know, intelligent, gifted kid named Forge, who's going to build him this giant power enhancing Ray that is going to allow him to 
That's right. Switch the polarity of the magnetic poles. Yeah, reverse those poles. So uh, he is going to give Forge Canada. Yes, he did promise Forge all of Canada, which how Forge is going to handle all of Canada by himself. I don't know. And I. I've got to give it to Mark Miller over Jeff Loeb on this because ultimate Magneto, like he lays out, I have very clear motivations for why I'm doing this. I have a plan Mm -hmm. and like he is trying to say something in this comic. There is an actual arc. There There is a whole arc and it's, it's kind of like a complex arc in this. There is, there is some stuff going on, and I think it's very interesting. Return of the King is, you know, it's a direct follow-up to Ultimate War that we talked about a few weeks back. And it's it's interesting. Like, I love the stuff with Ultimate Xavier and Magneto. I love that Ultimate Xavier is so obsessed with being a mutant and his new mutant dumb that he leaves his wife and child, which we already knew from the World Tour arc. But, like... He leaves with his new boyfriend, Magneto. They start up a new mutant culture, a new island, a new mutant language. And then he realizes that Magneto and him have unreconcilable differences. And he has to leave because Magneto believes in superiority and will not work with Charles on this, on just, you know, being about finding a place for mutants. Magneto wants more. He has more ambition. What Magneto makes in the Savage Land, and Charles makes with him, is evil Krakoa. Right. <laughs> That's pretty much the, it. He he does. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's good because, you know, for all of the bad faith, like, oh, they're making this evil ethno state, which isn't like, read the comics and you know that that's not true. But that's a story. That is a story you could tell. And this is that story. It's just a story you can tell when it's it's the villains who are doing it. You can't can't have the heroes do that that's not how stories with <laughs> characters that can never die work speaking of characters that can never die it was repeated over and over and over again in ultimate war that wolverine dropped cyclops down a big chasm and he killed him so that he could get in jeans pants and uh which is true which is not only true but is repeated all the time again in this arc um except in this arc we actually get to see what happens to cyclops which is somehow he survives cyclops is very determined not to die he's it's a, a mangled little boy eating like maggots and larvae and it's a wiggle um, your big toe moment not to not to double tarantino this episode it's it's very much a 127 hours type thing, though he does not have to chop anything off. And, uh, you know, he is rescued. He is um, brought to the asteroid M of this story, the, the utopia of Magneto. Because what Magneto is doing is he is getting all of the mutants. Every mutant on Earth that he can recognize, that he can know about, he is making sure that every single mutant will be, as many mutants as possible, will be saved before he flips the earth and kills everybody. Like he's not just a maniacal evil. He has a plan. It's a super villain plan, Mm -hmm. but he sees himself as the inheritor of the earth. He sees himself as a modern Noah. He literally makes two and two of everything. What's uh, so much better about this story than let's say ultimate war or ultimatum is that there are some really great hero moments um, in here. Um, we see that Cyclops is taken to 
asteroid M here and is recovering. Um, he had, does not have his visor, but he is still able to <laughs> take a doctor that leads him to Magneto on the verge of flipping the, the poles and, and blast him out of this like force ray, which is followed by a really great uh, moment when the <laughs> X-Men's SR, well, it's not an SR 71. It's, no, it's, it's a, a B2. Stealth. It's a B2 bomber. They just crash into the side of it. <laughs> and they, it's a great moment. They then handily take care of Magneto. Yep. And then you find out that actually Professor Xavier wasn't that worried about all of this because he trusted his team. At the same time, Magneto has already decided that he's going to cause a Chernobyl-style nuclear meltdown in Florida just in case his initial plan doesn't work. Yeah, this is his backup plan. Is that It's his Florida backup destruction plan. Yeah. And I, I do not quite grasp how... Um, now, the solution to this is that uh, Gene basically like picks up the entire city after they evacuate it and just like floats it into space, I guess, with Phoenix power. Now, I'm not quite sure how that would actually take care of any radiation that happened uh, as part of this nuclear reactor. Because it hadn't had a full fallout yet. Sure. Um, the radiation so that... hadn't spread. And I get I get Mark Miller's logic of it's throw it into space. Yeah, and then it's a lot of epilogue, you know. Yeah, we, then we, the then the book has two more issues in this arc. I mean, it could really just if you wanted to end the book with these two issues, it would make a lot more sense. It would actually be like, listen, it'd be a pretty decent ending for Ultimate X Men. Yeah, um, which unfortunately, to be fair, it's Mark Miller's ending. For Ultimate we do X-Men. get uh, cameos from Dick Cheney, George Bush, and Donald Rumsfeld. Um, Very as... funny cameos, in my opinion. <laughs> like when when I talk about when I talk about Mark Miller is not being subtle. It's because oh. Mark Miller is not being subtle here. He's uh, no, he's being like these are terrible racist people who are trying to perpetuate a war in the name of your own security, but are only taking away your rights. Yeah, so um, basically the X-Men are going to work for S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and that's the compromise. Which is Charles Xavier's plan the whole time, which is weird. <laughs> and explicitly called out in this comic by like them saying, S.H.I.E.L.D. wanted to... They made Sentinels. They are not good people. Uh, why should you work with them? I, there's no real good answer to that. No, and I don't think no Mark Miller wants a good answer to that. No, I think he's trying and, to say, yeah, this, you can read it as him saying, yeah, Xavier's dream is about compromise and that compromise. You know, when you compromise, you lose something too. Yeah. Um, the last issue involves basically just two vignettes. You've got Cyclops going back to Wolverine and saying, Hey, look, you're a terrible person. You tried to kill me, but I'm going to be the better person. Come back to the team. Absolutely insane logic would not happen if it wasn't the character Wolverine that we all love. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and then the other part is Charles visiting Magneto in his plastic prison, just like happens in the movies. It's a good, listen, it's a good scene in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> Get wanting um, to do it. I don't. This version of Magneto is so strange. You know, this version of Magneto is writing his own fan fiction about how to escape from this prison because somebody forgot about a pin in their leg. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very weird take on the character. He, he finishes the issue talking about like whether Pietro forgave him for 
basically shoot well for shooting his kneecaps out and mm-hmm. Xavier's like oh yeah he's your kid I'm I'm sure it'll be fine and you're like what so okay but as we know in Ultimatum Pietro does do an assassination for his father yes but also to as we learn at the end take over Magneto's place once Magneto is I mean, dead ult- I mean Ultimatum Ultimatum's bad we don't yeah, have it's, it's terrible this is much better um it, like I think people think we're crazy when people talk about ultimate universe stuff with some regard and part of it is the comps of this episode. It makes a okay story look great when you're dealing with some real trash. Yeah. But like, I get the appeal of the Mark Miller ultimate X-Men. If you're, if you're okay with being like, Hey, the X-Men are going to be trash people a bit. They are kind of going to suck, but there's going to be stuff you like ultimate Colossus is really cool here. I really like him. Mm-hmm. I like how Miller is slowly expanding the cast here. Like Ultimate Nightcrawler, you understand him a bit and how how and why he's different from 616 Nightcrawler. You get really cool moments for just about everyone. You get nice emotional beats. You get him following up on the last three-ish years of his storytelling. There's mm-hmm. a lot here. I agree. Um, you know, I don't think this reaches the highs of the first arc, which is uh, the tomorrow people. We have that all the way at 128. Um, but I also don't think we're the the next story we have on our list is down at 476, which is no, the we have we have we have 99 at 99. We have Ultimate X Men World Tour, which rules. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I'm I'm saying this is yeah, lower yeah, than than this tomorrow is between people. the tomorrow people and the Tempest. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, is it is it better or worse than the Inferno issues of Excalibur? I think it's better than the Inferno issues of Excalibur comics. I don't actually like that much. All right. So um, we're in the 200s. Is this better than Brood Trouble and the Big Easy, though? Is it better than Ultimate Spider-Man Jump the Shark? I would say it is. I would say it's better than Ultimate Spider-Man Jump the Shark. Uh, A comic that implies that Wolverine was trying to get handsy with a teenage uh mary jane which is true and consistent with ultimate wolverine's character as a creepo yep yep um better than dead man logan i don't know about that maybe i kind of think it is Uh, okay i don't think it's better than 248 world war x from ultimate comics x-men oh yeah yeah that's better and i think new mutants 37 if i should die is better i like inferno from battle world better than this probably better than extraordinary x-men kingdoms fall yep yep um but probably not as good as cyclops uh volume three one to five the rucka yeah yeah so this is gonna be our new 255 i don't think people were expecting us to say nice things about the ultimate universe today and look what you found out check your expectations at the door here i liked the arc of this episode we went from just utter trash to salvation It it was nice i mean we say salvation this is we're guys we're we're quickly running out of good ultimate comics uh <laughs> at least okay. from the x-men side because what miller's what well, no because the two miller arcs we haven't done are not great and then yeah. i have mixed feelings about the bendis run it's okay we, we did like, we did a good like one Brian. here this was fun this was a fun episode for me at least yes uh, folks if you want to be a patreon thing i said it at the start i always do this now I'm out of my rhythm, Adam. What do you got going on? Uh, I've got homework because I'm in school, even though I didn't start yet. 
when we're recording this, but by again, the time linear nature of time. <laughs> uh, but you guys can always follow me on Instagram at adam.rec and Zach, what do you got going on and what are we doing next week? I've got nothing going on. I never have anything going on. It's perfect. Except for thanking Toll, who is our Patreon supporter of the week. Uh, you want to be like, Toll, I've said it already. Again, for the second time, I've said it already. It's every episode. There's a link in the bio. You can figure it out. Uh, but next week, we have a we have a fun time. Yeah. Uh, Jordan White's coming back. We're, we're talking. Talking. What's going on on Krakoa? What's going nice. on with the Sins of Sinister? How the X's are going to fall? Maybe what's going on with that X-Men vote, if it's still relevant by the time we record. I do not know. We are. Re- that episode will not come out for like 20 days. I don't remember how long promotion cycles are. We're going to find out. We may have voted by then, but it doesn't matter. We're I imagine that we will have voted by then. <laughs> I imagine it will be old news. Sneaks but up on us. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I don't know. We'll ask questions on Twitter, I guess. Sure. Sounds Com- great. Twitter at ComicsXF. Listen, folks, it's a bad website. I don't like using it, but I don't know what else to Twitter, do. Twitter, not ComicsXF. ComicsXF is an okay website with some technical <laughs> challenges that are my fault and no one else's. Next week, we're talking to Jordan. Go tell your friends. Till then, folks, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!